The global spiritual climate is fast attracting the attention of the discerning and undiscerning alike. Cosmic upheavals of various decrees have kept newscasters, forecasters, pundits, and podcasters busy as nation after nation records disasters of disturbing magnitudes. We have seen shutdowns, letdowns, and breakdowns. Now we need to be empowered to take down what stands between us and God's next. Today, God is raising up a company of people who know what the score really is, where the real action will be. These emerging game changers are people made ready by a revelation of what is next. If you know what is next, while it is still now, you get to run swiftly while others tiptoe lightly. In this episode of Keep 100, we're going to hit upon the importance of revelation, share what we sense God is saying to us, and conclude with some principles to level up in your next. Welcome to Keep It 100 Podcast with Sean and Krista Smith. Join us in this space where we take on real issues with real insight and real inspiration. This podcast is for those not looking for temporary relief to change circumstance, but revelation to forever change lives. Yo, what's up, everybody? Hey, everybody. Super excited to be with you. We are hashtag blessed to hang out with you for another <laughs> episode of Keep It 100. And man, do we have a power pack installment for you. But we want to begin with some praise reports. Yes, I love praise reports. Hey, uh, one of the places that we went since the last time we were able to talk to you guys, we're in Modesto, a church called One Church, had multiple campuses. We go on a Tuesday night. We did. It was the, so good. Yes. They had a, a revival conference and we were their Tuesday night speakers and man. Did people show up hungry and did fire fall? Oh, it was incredible. Just such a hungry group of people. The house was packed. The worship was amazing. The pastors have cultivated such an incredible hunger. Truly, people were expecting in the room. And the word you brought, Sean, was so, so powerful. I tell you what, it was just a needed and a necessary word. If you guys can go check it out on One Church on their ministry website, you will not be disappointed. It's an incredible word that I believe is a, a now word. And there were some incredible signs and wonders. We had yeah. people get healed. Chris, you had some spot on prophetic words over people. And it was awesome. And then we were off to Maine. I love cold weather. I am one of those people. So my husband is not a fan of cold weather. I am. Uh I loved it. You guys, it was like six degrees. And with wind chill, it was like negative 14. It was awesome. And so I loved it because the people were so, so hungry. And I told everyone, I was like, when I preached, I was like, you guys, Mainers, because that's what they call themselves, Mainers. And I was like, yes, I'm going to be like an honorary self-appointed Mainer. I mean, I'm not even close, but you know, and I was like, you guys, your weather might be freezing, but your hearts are so warm. And that literally sums up Maine. They're just their hospitality, their hunger for Jesus. They just want the more of God. It was really, really beautiful. And we saw such powerful prophetic ministry. I would say the prophetic ministry, the words of knowledge that you moved in, Sean, I just, I love the words we brought because I felt like they were prophetic and strategic, but the, the body ministry that took place was really special. It was really beautiful. It was so cool too. when you prophetically instructed one intercession her to place her hand on a young gal just yes. about the, uh, about God setting her free and immediately the gal began to shake and she just like was overwhelmed by the power of the Holy Ghost and it's got beautiful. up thoroughly free. Yeah. It was awesome. She's she's precious. We were in two different cities, y'all. We were in Portland, Maine, which yeah. if you've never been there, it's kind of a little bit like Portland, Oregon. It is. Very hipster, very, very yeah, coffee. Very similar. Very that kind of vibe. And then we were up in Oakland, uh, <laughs> Maine, which is nothing like Oakland, California, y'all. <laughs> you know how they do the real feel? It was real feel, negative 14. Yes. So that's crazy. It was it one was degree. Crazy. I'm like, 
<laughs> oh my God. What have y'all done to deserve weather like this? Hey, so you guys got to understand that when my husband gets super, super cold, like if we're in Alaska or a cold weather area, as soon as he gets really cold, he like literally can't even help it. He just speaks in tongues. Facts. It's hysterical. He'll come out from the hotel to the car that's picking us up and he'll like shout in tongues and people will like look at him. I always start dying of laughter. Friends, he got so cold this time. He lost his ability to speak in tongues. He's like, it took my voice. He's so cold. It like paralyzed him. I was laughing so hard. I literally think I laughed for the whole three days we were there. I have uncles and stuff. You got to understand <laughs> something about African-American culture is like back in the day, the old heads would tell you about the hawk, H-A-W-K, not the MCU green figure, but the hawk <laughs> is in a bird. But the hawk was the chill. And they would say, oh, bro, you better put on your coat. The hawk is out. But let me just say in Maine, the hawk had an entire flock. I don't know what a bunch <laughs> of hawks are. Crazy. Well, hey, we also had a, another great announcement is over this past week, uh, many of you know, past several episodes, I was talking about my book, Prophetic Evangelism, which is brand new, different than the original. This is Legacy Edition. So it's like 50% all new material and the other 50% has been rewritten. It's so, so it good, makes it a different book. It's so good. Well, anyway, right now on our website, we have an e-course out, which is eight parts plus two bonus parts. So we have a 10-part e-course out on Prophetic Evangelism. So if you want to be equipped in Prophetic Evangelism to step out, it is material that is meant to supplement the book, not a duplication of the book, you can go to our website, www.seanandkristasmith.com. It is out. But you were going to say something. I was. I was going to say, I just want to do an additional plug because it's such good e-course. It's so good. It's such good material. You guys, I heard it. I was there. I was in the audience when Sean was recording it. It is so revelatory. It's different than any other content that's out right now. And I'm not saying that just because of my husband. I'm saying it because it's so solid. It's truth-based. It's inspirational. It's revelation. It's available now on our website. I want you to go and download it. You can use it for small groups. You can lose it. Create a group at your house. Gather people. Let's get hungry for souls. Come on. There's a harvest that is waiting to be harvested. And I believe this is going to equip people to be able to do that. That was my little plug. I just want to add that. Thanks, boo. You're amazing. <laughs> hey, as we said, this episode, you guys, episode, I believe is going to really set us straight. Amen. It's going to be awesome. We're talking about revelation yes. today. We talk about what's next. Obviously, that's going to include prophetically what we feel God is saying. But we also want to just talk about the importance of revelation. Yeah. In the Bible, Paul writes to the church at Corinth. And he says in 1 Corinthians 2, 9 and 10, he says, but as it, it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, nor has entered into the hearts of man, the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed, there's the word revealed to them through his spirit for the spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. And so really what Paul is saying, and this is kind of foundational scripture for some of the places we're going to be going, is that revelation gives you keys. You have to understand that as a child of God, you need keys to access things. And the way you access things, obviously is through the death, burial, resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, but revelation gives you keys. There came a point when Jesus said to the disciples, I have many more things to say to you, but you're unable to handle them right now. And so what Jesus was saying is revelation awaits capacity. And I really mm, kind of good. feel like in this last season of COVID and everything, God was excavating our hearts to prepare a capacity for yeah. a new revelation that maybe we wouldn't have had had we not gone through what we went through. Another thought on revelation is revelation at the foundation is what sets us apart from every other group on the face of the planet. Some groups have facts. Some groups have secret understandings. Some groups have certain abilities and talents. But revelation is what sets us apart from any other group on the face of the planet. It's what makes us special in addition to God, spirit living within us. And you have to understand this about God. God's desire is not to conceal, but to reveal. The word revelation literally means unveiling. Ooh, that is so good. You know, for us to really have, I think, a fresh appreciation for 
revelation is to understand the purpose of revelation. So I want to give you some keys of what is the purpose of revelation. Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint, but blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instruction. So let me break that down. So when you and I do not have a clear word of the Lord, that's where we begin to often stumble. If we don't have God's revelation, we're often looking for the wrong sources to anchor us. But you and I both know the only thing that's going to anchor you is the word of the Lord. It is the revelation of God's truth. So to understand God's will and understand God's plan, revelation helps you identify God's launching pads for counterattacks, even preemptive strike strikes. And God reveals his intention of his covenant of what his promises are. Now, let me break that down for some of you that are new in your walk with Jesus. I want you to understand you're actually a part and in a covenant with Jesus. What is that covenant? That covenant is irrevocable and it's unbreakable. It's unconditional. And there's a covenant of the promises of God, which the word of God includes. When you read the word of God, you're actually understanding, you're actually getting revelation on the covenant. It's showing the faithfulness of God, the goodness of God, who he is, that he never changes what the promises and plans and purposes over your life are. That's actually what we call the covenant of God. So a lot of times we focus on what are the plans? What are the promises? It's all rooted in our inheritance. Our inheritance is a byproduct. It's a result of the covenant that we're involved in. So revelation actually gives us insight into the promises and the plans of God in our life. That's really important. So you understand if it doesn't line up with God's plans and purposes, it's not a part of the covenant God has for you, then hey, you don't want it in your life. That's good. So revelation helps us to be ready for the next. That's what we're talking about today. Revelation is also a defensive power in that it gives its recipient, you and I, when we walk in revelation, a resolve. And the resolve looks like us going, I know God, what you said. I don't care about what's happening in the natural. God, this is what you said. So therefore I'm standing in faith. I'm standing in full, full belief that you're able to do it because if your word says it, if you've given me a revelation of it, I'm going to walk in that. And a grit. Come on, let's, who's got some spiritual grit? I think all of us, all of us should be raising our hands. In this last two years, there's a grit, a healthy God-given grit that's been developed, I believe in all of us, that in the unpredicted situations, in the unprecedented times, in the things we didn't foresee ourselves walking through, when we walk in revelation, when we walk in the fullness and the understanding of who we are in God and who God is in us and through us, it creates within us like scripture talks about our foreheads are like flint, which means unwavering. We're like a battering ram. We're like unmovable. We're like, oh no, you didn't. I mean, basically, it's, you know, it's like, it's that posture. It's putting your feet in the ground um, and being like alignment. And you're just like, I'm not moving from this place because God, you said it. Your feet are actually standing on the word of God, standing on the promises of God. So I want you to see that picture of you like a warrior. You got your war paint on. I want your feet standing on the word of God, the promises of God wrapped all around you. And the enemy might be coming at you. A Goliath might be coming at you, but you're a David in the spirit. And you're standing there like a resilience with a grit saying, no, God, I know you've called me to have victory. Even if an army comes against me, God, all I have is you, but that's more than enough. And so you have to understand God did not call us to be the tail. He called us to be the head. When you walk in revelation, you walk in a greater understanding of your identity and purpose in God. You know, it really makes sense, Krista, because as you said, it makes you the head, not the tail, that when you have a revelation, you have an understanding. And we talked about that scripture, eye is not seen, ears not heard. Other people are left under, to a sense, to their own natural comprehension of what's going on. But when you have revelation, you're able to bring God's thoughts, That's good. God's purposes. Yeah. And so you are able to act accordingly, depending on what life shows you, you already know from God how you're to act in the midst of that circumstance. So good. Another point I would bring is a revelation brings stability in trials. Paul talks about in Romans 8 and 18, he says, I, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth 
worth comparing with the glory that be, will be revealed in us. There's that word again, revealed. Because Paul knew the future and the promises of heaven as God revealed it to him, it helped him get through the trials of life. And I, I kind of feel like just in my own life, and I think you would agree with me, boo, that suffering is more bearable when you know you've been it's been revealed to you that it's just for a season. Yes. It's temporary. Yes. And what happens is, I, I find this out in my life, knowing the future helps me endure the present. Ooh. I'm going to say it louder for the people in the back. Knowing the future helps you endure the present. Think of your life right now. Think of the things that if you knew in advance certain things were happening, or at least, you know, a general sense, how that could have altered and changed your life and your response in that moment. Because if you don't know what's next, you're always going to be reacting instead of responding to God. And so we don't want to be reactionary people. We see and have enough of them in the world. We need some people that respond in the spirit of God. So good. You know what? There's a lot to worry about. You were addressing. There's a lot to worry about today from a human standpoint. But if you have a firm grip on the fact that God has a prophetic program that nothing on earth can override, that you don't have to have a culinary worrying about what might happen next, revelation contributes to a right view of life. T. Austin Sparks, and I love this guy, an incredible just man of God, a guy that's written books, many, many books, very prolific author, really a prophetic minister. He said this quote, and I want to share this with you, Keep It 100 Gang. He says, prophetic ministry is to hold things to the full thought of God. Therefore, it is a reactionary thing. In other words, you're reacting to God. And what what does he mean by whole things to full thought of God? In other words, God is able to give you strategies so you maximize every season you find yourself. So let me continue this quote. T. Austin Sparks says, we usually find that the prophets arose as a reaction from God to the course and the drift of things amongst his people, a callback, a repronouncement of God's mind, a bringing into clear view again of the thoughts of God. The prophet usually came into ministry, catch this gang, at a time when things were spiritually bad and anything but according to the divine mind. The state was evil. Things were confused, mixed, chaotic. But then T. Austin Sparks went on to say a prophet, or that would be a person who was a revelatory person. A prophet was a person who went back to God again and again and did not come out to speak until God had shown him the next thing. Somebody say next thing. Next thing. Come on, that is so good. And you know, here's another thought. When you are armed with revelation, it releases the necessary confidence to war against spiritual forces that challenge our destiny. So it's really connected with what Sean just said. When you are armed with revelation, it gives you that necessary confidence. You're like, God, I know that you are for me. You know, there's a person of scripture that Sean often preaches about, and it's called Shema. It's probably one of my favorites. It's one of those pretty elusive verses, and not many people know about it. To me, we are in like a Shema moment in history, where it's the person that is literally defending the bean field, defending their inheritance, defending what is supposed to be their harvest for the family, what they worked for, Shema found himself against the enemy, an entire army defending a bean field. The bean field represents, again, like I said, the prosperity. It represented uh, the harvest. It represented the nutritional source for the family. It was going to feed the family. They were going to be able to sell it. It was the provision and it was about to be robbed right when it was about to be harvest, harvested. And I think that's an important place. There's some dreams and things in your guys' life right now that are about to be harvested and you got to stand on those with so the good. grit and the confidence to war against spiritual forces because you understand who God is and therefore who he is in you and through you. You just make a great point in in what you're saying about Shema, what you're saying about Revelation is that he was able to stand because he had that confidence. Mm -hmm. People that have Revelation, my observation is they walk different. They talk different. They carry themselves different. There is a confidence. There is a assertiveness that is just amazing. And think about it. Without Revelation in the Bible, Abraham had no hope. He was told he was going to be the father of many nations. 
Galatians, the dude is 100 before he'd have his first son. Like, think about it. Without revelation, because God showed him the stars in the sky, says your descendants will be as numerous as the stars. Without revelation, Abraham had no hope. Moses had no purpose. Come on, somebody, the burning bush. Joshua would have no function because God used revelation to inspire these guys. He used revelation to inspire David, what we would know as the Psalms, to teach, lead, correct, guide his people, even during times of disobedient, idolatry, even exile. And so revelation helps so much in those ways. Hey, Keep It 100 Tribe, right now we're going to jump into the Hondo P segment. As we set this foundation, talk about revelation, now we want to talk about what do we sense God is saying. And so, Chris, let me ask you that question. What are you sensing God say to you in this season? Oh my goodness. There are so many things that I believe God is saying, and I just chose some things that I felt like the Lord wanted me to release publicly to the Keep It 100 tribe of what I'm seeing in 2022. I'm actually really excited for this year. I feel an expectation for what God's going to do. I don't know how it's all going to unfold, but I am going to break down some just revelation because we're talking about revelation that the Lord has spoken to me personally and hopes to uh, give you some revelation and hopes to give you some strategy for, I believe, how we're to move forward in this unique season that we find ourselves in. Uh, When it was probably 2018, 2019, I began to carry this word in my spirit that in 2020, we were going to enter a new era. I was releasing the new era word. I know you probably see it everywhere everywhere now. But at the time, honestly, and I say this, please, Lord, please hear this in humility. I was saying it when I really wasn't hearing anyone else say it. And I simply say that because I think a prophetic voice is often a forerunner before what becomes common knowledge. I mean, even now secular companies are using new era as marketing campaign. But in 2018, the Lord began to speak to me almost like a two-year lead up. And there were some specific things that he had me declare as we closed out an era and we opened up a new era. Now that we're in the new era, this past September, which was the 6th through the 8th this last year in 2021, I heard the Lord say, you've now entered a new season within the new era. Now, this is really, really important for all of us to really grab a hold of, because if we're not careful, we can keep living, behaving, acting, and our same habits, our same belief systems can carry forward from the previous season into the new. And that is actually really detrimental if we do that in what God is doing. It's really important that you understand there has been a shift in the spirit and there's now a new season. So we've shifted from one season to the next season. So we have to understand that the old season pre-September 2021 is the old season. Now September Rosh Hashanah 2021 and post. So we're now in the new season. I know we're in January, but we've been in this new season since Rosh Hashanah in September. And I know that we've chronologically changed into a new year, December 31st, but friends, it happened before that. So when God declares a shift, we must shift with it or we will miss it. And so we have to understand that what's taking place in the church right now, I'm talking about with the saints, as I heard the Lord with make this statement. And the statement was this, as I was flying from the West Coast to the East Coast, as Sean and I often do, I heard the Lord say he is removing the souls of this hour and he's raising up a company of Davids. You know, I can honestly say and speak to that, Krista, that number one, you have been sharing that for a while and even the new era. I just affirm that for people who are listening. But the whole aspect of he's removing the Saul's and raise up the Davids. Man, I just want to jump in and say, man, have we not seen that? And I'm sure you're going to speak to that. But we've seen a lot of leaders. And again, we don't delight in this. We don't gloat in this at all. But it's almost as if there is a people that have had a Sauline, if you will, heart attitude. We're seeing them remove and God's putting a David. So it's like David leads in this passion and hunger. And that's what we're seeing about the body of Christ because it's the lid. But when you say that, even recently, we're hearing a report this last week of a major, tragically, a major a mega pastor that had a moral failure. So we are seeing Saul's remove again. I'm not trying to assess this brother's heart, 
at all, but just the, the general metaphor of what God revealed to you. I think that's so true. No, and I love that you're breaking that down. And I think it's good for us to understand what do I mean by a Saul? What I mean by a Saul is when we look at scripture, Saul was anointed and put in a place of leadership, of influence. He was admired, but he did not go through the character refining process because he never allowed God to do that process within him as the Lord invited him into that journey of consecration and to that process of character refinement. There was an ego, there was a a self-entitlement that happened within Saul that ultimately led him down into sin. And so I think there's always the kindness and the mercy of the Lord to bring redemption where there's sin. I always believe the Lord is always inviting us in places of brokenness to become healed, but we have to make that choice to partner with God. We have to be able to get honest with our brokenness, say, Jesus, this isn't okay. This isn't in alignment with who you say I am. And I recognize, Lord, you've given me favor, but I'm still a son and a daughter first and foremost before anything that I do for Jesus. I'm first and foremost a son or a daughter. And so Saul, ultimately, there was multiple areas of sin in his life. And I'm certainly not saying this was the only one, but it's the one the Lord highlighted to me. And the main thing that I felt like the Lord was highlighting with the Saul, specifically for this hour, Saul began to confide with mediums and psychics. And really, when you look at that, what is that truth? That is a real picture of the spirit of the sage. That is humanism. That is a carnal thinking. That's what we would also call, scripture would call the doctrine of demons, right? And so we have to understand that it's the wrong source. It's a counterfeit source. It's the spirit of the sage. It's a mixture. It's a mixture. That's a great way to say it. So there's a mixture that Saul began to fill his life through counsel that was supposed to be the counsel of the Lord. He replaced it with the counsel of man. He he replaced it with the counsel of the demonic, the counsel of the spirit of the sage. There is such a sway in today's culture of propaganda and to believe in a certain way to dumb down uh, the severity of sin, to call sin for what it is, uh, to address things head on. There is this real sway and pressure as men and women of God to not actually walk in righteousness, to have a compromise, to have a deluded gospel that we live. And those that actually succumb to that, those that come underneath that, that is a Saul. And so- I would also throw in too, because that's so profound. Remember Saul's first sin when he refused to do it under God's prescription with King Agag. And the whole thing is, he said, "Come." He said to the prophet Samuel, come back with me and allow me to look good in front of the people. Mm. So I think another thing of Saul, Saul always wants to keep up an appearance. He always wants to look good in front of the people. I think of the Saul, it's like you're more concerned about the big crowd and the big budget rather than the big move of the spirit that Ooh. would build a big church for the Lord. Ooh, that is profound. I mean, I'm snapping. That is so good. And it's so true. There's an appearance that Saul wants to keep up, but it's not authentic to actually what is really going on within the heart of Saul. And I heard the Lord say that I'm removing the Sauls and I'm raising up a company of Davids. And we have to understand who are the Davids. Friends, they are the no names. They are the people that have just been in the fields. They have just been faithful for what, with what God has put in their hand. I heard the Lord say there's a changing of the voices of those that have previously influenced the church. And I'm going to just say this. He's now raising up worshiping warriors. There's the company of David right there who are walking in their right authority. They are walking in the full activation of the authority of Christ in their life with the intention to release the move of God for this hour. I want to break down quickly the things that I feel like the Lord was highlighting specifically about a company of David, because I make that statement, a company of David is arising. What does that mean? This is what it means. David had a godly courage. He was bold. We find this in 1 Samuel 17, 31 through 39. uh, David was not afraid of man. He wasn't afraid to be mocked. He wasn't afraid to look foolish. He did not cower to people's expectations, to people's uh, thoughts about him. 
him. He very much was his own person in God. And that is key right now with such a sway of culture, such a sway of society to act and behave and talk a certain way, even from the pulpit, even as sons and daughters, that the Lord is saying, you got to be your own person. You got to walk in a godly boldness, a godly courage that isn't swayed by fear of man. And I think that this is really important. You know, I agree with you. I think that is very important. I think, you know, one of the things I think of David is at that point when he danced out of his ephod and praising God, he was willing to go to a place of extravagant worship. And I think there's such a seduction to tone down, to try to mute your tones, to try to fit into this kind of vibe of kind of casual Christianity. But at the the end of the day, that's a knockoff Jesus. The the real Jesus deserves passion and, and this thing that David always has brought and what he represents to us as modern believers. I love that. You know, another thing that the Lord highlighted was in 2 Samuel 23, 1 through 5, Psalm 23, 6, and Psalm 27, 1. All of those verses are collectively reinforcing the truth that David had an enduring faith in God. There was a grit. There was a resiliency. There was an unwavering. We talked about this earlier in the episode, but I believe this characteristic really encompasses the company of David's that God is arising at this time. Lastly, I felt like the Lord said in Acts 13, verses 17 through 23, that David was a man after God's own heart. Again, I'm going after this whole identity thing because there has been such a battle for it. We have had such a sabotage on the identity of the believer, on the identity of the saint in the last two years. I tell you what, I've never seen such a civil war as I've witnessed in this hour within the church. I've never seen so much division that I've seen in the church the last couple of years, and yet I'm seeing God move. I'm seeing this remnant of people arise in the midst of the Saul's being removed, where there's been previous compromise being preached, a diluted gospel. Like the people are saying, I don't want that anymore. I want an authentic encounter with God. I want the raw, undiluted gospel. I want people that aren't afraid just to preach the word of God, that aren't going to apologize for the word of God, for the truth and the revelation that we as saints walk in. And I believe that's the company of David's. Those are the people that have been in the battlefield. Those are the people that have actually learned how to war through the mundane, the nitty gritty, and they're coming out victorious and they're just going to keep on being who they are in the hidden place now in the public place. I think it's so good. You know, in my book, I Am Your Sign, a book about revival, a friend of ours, Mike Bickle, wrote in a foreword, he received a prophetic word in 1982 in Cairo, Egypt, in a dusty hotel room. And he heard the inward audible voice of God, Boo, say, I'm going to change the understanding and expression of Christianity to one generation. And I feel like your sense of what God is saying is a prophetic bee that maybe there's been a Saul face, but now we're about to go to a David face. And when leadership changes faces, what happens is it shifts the body of Christ as a whole. Because it is, as John Maxwell, the leadership guru says, the law of the lid. So your word, literally, I believe it does something in our hearts as we hear it. And yet I'm seeing that happen. I'm even seeing removing the Saul's and replacing with David's. I'm even seeing where certain men or women that have been Saul's in the last season in this COVID kind of unplugging are coming back with a Davidic heart. Ooh, I love that. So yes. it, it isn't necessarily meaning the person is disqualified. Yes. Is that God removed that Sauling aspect in mm. all of our hearts, which is really, yes. I think, convicting. I, I've got to look in my heart and I challenge you, keep it 100 tribe, look at your heart. What is it in us? Saul was very jealous. Saul was petty. Come on, y'all talk about being petty, right? Saul was petty, throwing spears at people. The dude was using music to try to soothe his demonic entity and agitation rather than repenting and going to God. And I kind of from this generation, we can kind of vibe to our music and 
and allow that to kind of soothe us rather than go to God and really get deliverance and get freedom in that area. Oh, so good. You know, the last trait that I felt like the Lord really wanted me to highlight just to really help us all understand a company of David. It's a bit of a generic term, but I want us to understand there's actual attributes and characteristics that I believe are available right now. And this is a company of David. And I love that you said that, Sean. And actually, it's so healthy you brought that into the light. And that is whether someone's walked in that Saul, right? That identity is a Saul, but there is always an invitation to become a David. I love that. And that is so accurate because with Jesus, there's always an opportunity for healing, restoration. But David was a man of covenant. He was both loyal to God and to covenant relationships, even when they betrayed him. So what I love about David is such a picture of someone didn't have to look like him, vote like him, have the same color as him, come from the same economic status as him. Come on, they didn't have to live like him. He just honored because he had a revelation of the God he served. And so he lived from a place of kingdom, not in the natural. And I believe that David is a man of covenant. Come on, I'm calling men and women together as a company of David to arise as people of covenant that are loyal to God and covenant relationships. See, David didn't repay evil for evil. Instead, he blessed his enemies. David actually did not rejoice over the fall of his enemies. Instead, he wept over them. Come on, that is so powerful. Yes. Right? And when David actually had the opportunity to kill Saul or kill his enemies, but I want to specifically focus in on Saul. Saul is trying to kill David. David then has the opportunity to literally kill the person who's coming at him, who's making his life such a mess, who's causing so much havoc in his life. But instead, what does David do? He lets him go because he would not touch God's anointed. He understood. He respected authority. And so I believe the prayer right now within all of us that are longing and saying, Jesus, use me. I know my hands raised in that. As the Lord gave me this word, Krista, I'm removing the salts. I'm raising up a company of David. My heart has been, oh, Jesus, take inventory within me. If there's anything within me that does not line up fully with who you are in me and through me, if there is something in me that opposes the fullness of your revival and your presence to flow through me, make war on it. Lord, I want your presence to fully possess me. I want to be a carrier of this move of God. I want to be a conduit of revival, of signs, wonders, and miracles. Lord, I want to be a part of a company of David that bring this fresh move that I believe you're doing in our nation. I want you to as well, come on, keep it 100, you know, keep it 100 tribe. I want you to go ahead and take that inventory for yourself. I want you to cry out for yourself because I believe God is doing a powerful work. And I think it's so important for us to understand there's an invitation to be a part of it. You know, and I would just throw in because I've heard you just kind of unpack this in different ways. I think it's so profound too, is just understanding that when God is raising up David's, you guys, it is a prophetic sign because when God raises up David, think about it. When Saul was in office, Goliath tormented the nation over and over and over. But when God raised up David's, it's a sign that Goliaths are about to fall. And I kind of feel like part of this prophetic word is that God's raising up David's. And you don't think of it now as just your pastor or your apostolic leader or this person that has written this book. You can choose to be a David. I believe God's calling you out. And then when you can become a David at your workplace, at your university, amongst your home, your relatives, your tribe, your crew, people you go and sit and read books and have coffee with. Let me tell you what, when David's arise, Goliath's fall. And I feel like God is saying there are things that have been going on in our nation, things that have been going on in our culture that God is ready to take down, but he can only take them down with a David. And the whole thing that I believe it really comes down to is that we really in this season, what is God really saying? He's saying that you've got to allow your heart to become tender again before the Lord. Because the thing of David is the Bible says that he was a man after God's own heart. So it's not just enough to have the bravado of David, the confidence, because you can have a cockiness that really isn't a God confidence, but it first begins 
happens out on a field where you're worshiping, you're getting to know God, you're getting, here's the word again, revelation. Come on, it's so good. And you know, I think we really have to evaluate the belief systems that we've allowed into our life, especially in this last season, where there has been such a seduction of the spirit of the sage. Friends, I want you to take an inventory. I want you to get gut honest. Does it line up with the word of God or is it just convenient and a copy and paste version so you feel better and justified about the compromise we allow into our lives, you allow into your lives? I want to be that direct because I believe we're in a really intentional season with the Lord and I believe that there is a move of God, but I believe that there has to be a purity that we walk in, not a perfection, but a purity. We serve a holy God and there must be a holiness that we walk in. There must be a consecration. David was not perfect. He had his flaws, many, many flaws, and yet he was a man that was marked and even called by God as a man after his own heart. Why? Because he was constantly repentant. He was constantly going back in the midst of his failures, the midst of his shortcomings. He was like, God, I still choose you. God, I still want you to do your work within me. Lord, forgive me for where I'm wrong. See, when there's a repentant heart, that means a repentance means to divorce sin. It means to cut. It means to sever. It's not the type of repentance of like, oops, sorry, I was caught, or I feel kind of bad about that, but you still plan on making that booty call later tonight. That's not repentant. That is is premeditated rebellious behavior, and that will ultimately sear your conscience. I just, I feel like someone that's listening actually needs to hear this. You you have to make the choice who you're going to serve, and I think there has to be a line in the spirit that you draw because the Lord's drawing a line in the spirit. It's called being a Saul, and ultimately we know where that leads, or being a company of David. You know, and let me add this, you know, I'm talking about authority and covenant, which is very much connected to the company of David that is being raised up in this hour. And you will, mark my words, we will begin to see more and more teachings and podcasts and the topic and the and the teaching series come forward about authority and about covenant. We have an illiterate generation, I'm not just talking about age group, but in the church lacking revelation of what covenant really is, what the blood covenant of Jesus actually means, what it actually gives you access for, and the authority of Jesus Christ that we have available to us. Those teachings and series are going to be key in raising that up. So I just feel like those two are married and coming together. Okay, I'm going to jump to my next thing. We ready for this? Yeah. So we talked about Saul's being removed. We talked about a company of David getting raised up. I talked about authority and covenant as teaching topics. And that series is going to arise more and more. It's going to become very common. It's going to be necessary for there to be a new training in that. And then the next thing I felt like the Lord said for 2022 is that the Lord was creating a table of fellowship over the nation in America, a table of fellowship. I'm going to break down what that is, where healing and transformation is going to take place. And I felt like the Lord says this next move of God is actually going to be marked with the compassion of the Lord. This is probably one of my favorite things. I heard the Lord say that society has become so harsh that one of the greatest ways of healing and restoration that's going to come in this next wave and this next move of God that we're about to embark into, and I believe it's already begun, I believe we're we're already seeing the beginning of it, is the compassion of the Lord. There's a story from the life of David, and I feel like I personally, and I'm not putting this on anyone else, this is just for myself, that I'm actually in this study of David right now because I feel like I've got to walk in even a deeper revelation in order to understand the fullness of what God's doing in this hour because it's all about David. I just feel like we are stepping into a Davidic, uh, the Davidic covenant. We're stepping into a, a place of worship and really understanding what does that look like for today's church. But one of the stories of David, it's actually one of my favorite stories. It's the story of Mephibosheth. And for those of you that don't know the story of Mephibosheth, let me tell, let me break it down real quick for you so you have understanding. Jonathan and David are like covenant brothers. They're not blood related, but they're related in the spirit. God put this incredible friendship between these two men and they really protected each other. They looked out for each other to the point where Jonathan obviously, well, I shouldn't say obviously, some of you may not know this. Jonathan was Saul's son. 
son. But Jonathan recognized that David was the anointed one by the prophet Samuel. So Jonathan actually stepped back, so to speak, and he was like, David, I know you're the anointed one. It's not me. I'm actually not the next king. You are. So there was such a commitment that he was even willing to give up in the natural, the heir as king. He was willing to give up his life of luxury and all those things and the titles and the influence that come with being king because he honored and he revered God. And so Jonathan and David had this really beautiful covenant relationship. And in that relationship, uh, there was, you know, they were warriors. So they would go to battle. And before one of the main battles, Jonathan says to David, if something happens to me, will you take care of my family? Will you show the covenant, the kindness of God to my family? David agreed. Well, years passed by and there's this whole story about how David goes to seek out, is there anyone left from Saul's house? Now, this is super profound because as king, previously, any king that would be then taking the place of an old king, anyone connected, family, servants, uh, people that were a part of that army of the previous king would all be killed. Why would they be killed? Because they were viewed as enemies. They were viewed as people that were not in allegiance or alliance, so to speak. They were not in agreement with the new king. So if you weren't in agreement, therefore you were against them. And so you would be killed. You would be slaughtered. You would be taken out. And so Mephibosheth is in exile because he's now quote unquote on the wrong side of the family. He's in, or he, I should say he's in the wrong family. He's on the wrong side of the track, so to speak. And so David, he does something unprecedented. He shows compassion when vengeance is expected. Friends, I can't even tell you how much I feel the anointing of God on this truth and revelation. There is an opportunity, I believe in all of our lives, but also as the church as a whole in our nation. And I don't know how it's going to play out, but I feel like the church is going to arise and and step up in such a place of compassion in our nation that it's actually going to bring healing and no longer going to bring division. The story of Mephibosheth is all about getting Mephibosheth to the king's table. Why is that so important? Because Mephibosheth is not going to be healed, restored, or step into his identity in exile. It's only going to happen when he's brought to the table of the Lord. And I think this is so, so key because I think we have to understand that that it's such a powerful place of fellowship. There's an intimacy that God's going to do in this next move of God where people are going to be in the room full of people worshiping God, this abandoned worship, these Davids that are just, you know, going for. But there's going to be Mephibosheths in our midst that are lame, that are crippled, that are hurt, that are broken. And whether that is emotionally or spiritually or mentally, there's fragments in their life, there's broken places within their life. But because they're in the midst of a company of David, because they're in the midst of covenant, they're going to actually step into a place of healing and wholeness. And they're going to find themselves stepping into such a greater awareness of who God is and his love for them. His compassion is actually what's going to restore the identity of the Mephibosheths. I believe 2022 is the year of the Mephibosheth. And I just believe the company of David is inviting them to the table. You know, you just make a great point in that Mephibosheth, who's obviously Saul's grandson, he's a prince, he's an heir, but here this dude is out in Lodabar, a uh, uh, kind of a wasteland. Uh, he's dropped, like you said, and I think there are many in this generation can relate that they felt like somebody dropped them. And he's unable to walk. And here, obviously, David brings him to the table right. and and makes a space for him and, and and brings value to him. And I think in this past season in crisis, I think we avoided the church as a whole, somewhat avoided Mephibosheths. Mm-hmm. And yet Mephibosheth is meant to be a part of our narrative. I mean, that was an awesome thing of what David did. And I love that this prophetic word includes David as the youngster warrior, but later on, he doesn't become a Saul to a guy that he could become a Saul to. Instead, he responds with compassion because I believe it's out of that compassion that we're going to repair breaches. Like you can't run from something broken when your God is referred
referred to as the capital R repairer of the breach. And so you can't run from broken things when you're called to repair those things. Ooh. And so I feel like your word is so profound, you know, I think, and I hope I'm not prematurely summarizing it, but no, the whole good. aspect of that God is shifting in this season, what the face of Christianity must look like to a David in terms of our heart towards God, but even our heart towards the world around us has got to change. You can, you don't have the luxury of going on them Facebook rants and going off on people that vote different, look different, as my wife brought up, different socioeconomic level than you, because if you do, you'll end up being a Saul and not a David. And so I think that's just so profound. Ooh, I could not have said it better myself. That was so well summarized. That was That's amazing. You know, just a couple more things I just want to hit quickly. These are more just bullet points, but things that I feel like the Lord just wanted to highlight. Again, what's next 2022? This is what I've been hearing. I've been in this place where the Lord has brought me to Hebrews 4, and I feel like the Lord says, I'm going to give the church a revelation of real rest. You know, I know that our schedules got detoured and canceled and all that. That wasn't rest, right? But there's a rest that comes where we're able to sleep like Jesus in the midst of a storm raging around us, that it's not circumstance-based, but it's based on our covenant with Jesus. Hebrews 4, and this is the Passion Translation. It's my favorite version of this verse specifically, and it reads, now the promise of entering into God's rest is still for us today. So we must be extremely careful to ensure that we all embrace the fullness of that promise and not fail to experience it. For we have heard the good news of deliverance just as they did, yet they did not join their faith with the word. Instead, what they heard didn't affect them deeply for they doubted. For those of us who believe though, faith activates the promise and we experience the realm of confident rest. Friends, I believe this is a truth that God is going to teach and impart into us. This is what's available in 2022. I've actually shifted my schedule to become more still before the Lord because of the instruction of the Lord in my life, but I think it's bigger than me. I believe it's available for everyone. I think this is the invitation of the Lord right now to shut off the screen time. It's not bad to watch TV. It's not bad to watch different things, but to limit that time and to increase your time in the presence of the Lord and really be intentional about what are you meditating on? What are you allowing to actually be imparted into your heart? Because I believe faith activates the promise. And when the promise is activated, meaning we receive it, we hear it, we believe it, that's actually where we experience real rest, that confident rest, that confident assurance of God is going to come through. It is who he says he is. So I want to actually put a pause button there. I feel like we've given a lot of revelation for today, and I don't want this portion to be so overwhelming that people are like, whoa, whoa, slow down. We actually have more. I'm not done sharing what the Lord is giving me. Sean hasn't even shared his. We have another prophetic voice we're bringing in that we really trust. So tune in for the next episode because friends, we're going to continue to unpack what's next for 2022. As always, Keeping 100 Tribe, we're going to walk away with the Keeping 100 takeaways. We're going to talk about three important truths to walk in this hour. Number one, you must partner with heaven. Unless you as a follower of Christ are activated in a revelation, the world around you will remain desperate and is left to interpret spiritual truths through the lens of fallen culture. In other words, you've heard it said, you're the only Bible some people will ever read. So you have to learn, you need revelation here, need to hear what's next so you can partner with heaven because spirit-filled people can only use their destiny while being mobile, dynamic, not static, not stuck or trapped in a building and a bunker mentality. You have to be people that are willing to go with God goes and revelation gives you the green light. Revelation puts the go in your tank. And I really believe that this world is waiting to experience greater manifestations of God's power through his children and revelation opens the doors to the miraculous. I'm convinced that we're going to see revolutionary revelation 
regulatory voices released in the spheres of government, business, sector, uh, education, and media. They're going to rise. They're going to be armed to combat pressure from fallen ideologies, spiritualists. They're going to unseat demonic domains. Get ready. You and I need the presence of God with us as a people, advancing into the streets, marketplace with extreme purpose and prophetic revelation. So right now, take literally a moment, become intentional about partnering with what God is showing you. Allow God to reveal himself to you today as you worship him. He sent his son and gave his blood to cleanse you, but it also opens up a line of communication between you and God. Use it today and every day. The second keep it 100 takeaway is you must get a fresh revelation because big things hang upon his revelation. Philippians 3, 10 and 11 read that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed unto his death if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. You know, that is such a power-packed portion of scripture. You and I could go to church our whole lives, but actually not know who God is. You and I might think, yeah, I know God, it's Jesus Christ. And that's good. And that's a great start. But do you actually know who he is personally? Does he speak to you in your spirit when you talk to him? Does he speak to you in your heart and in your soul, which is your mind, your will, your emotions? Do you feel him in your heart? Do you know who he actually is? Do you understand him? Do you experience him? Do you hear his voice? Is he alive to you every day, guiding you, leading you every step of the way? Do you get excited about Jesus? Do you look forward to meeting with him someday? Do you wish with all your heart that you are with him already because the love that you have for him burns inside your heart? Mm. You know, if Christ is not burning in your soul and you don't see him every day in your heart or experiencing him, then maybe you really haven't experienced the fullness of who God is. Maybe you don't fully know him and what's available to you. You know, there are those of us that just go to church for the sake of going to church. And there are those that who are not really in love with him because they don't really know him. Without really knowing Jesus, that's when we find ourselves going to the world first for answers before we're going to the Lord. And when things in our lives begin to fall apart, that's when we turn to others' means of help in this world instead of looking to him for everything. See, you will let others decide your future, but don't let other people's relationship with God replace your relationship. Come on, friends. Hashtag no substitutes. I mean, there cannot be a substitute version of your intimacy with Jesus. You and I have one life to live. I always say this, but we have one life to live. We choose how deep we go with God. The third keep your 100 takeaway is you must understand the timing and the season. So if you follow these first two, you're going to get along with God. You're going to begin to partner with heaven and what God is saying. You're going to really get to know him. And all of a sudden you're going to receive some revelation. A prophetic word is going to come, but you need to discern the distance. What do I mean by that? The distance. Is it 10 years away? Is it intermediate three to 10 years away from you or near right now or in the next three years? This is an important step. And understand within this thing that you have to discern the distance. In other words, you need to know the timing and the season. Don't try to change the timeline. You can't force God's Kairos timing. Surrender to it or you are going to have many headaches and end up quitting. So because you get a prophetic word, because God speaks to you about something, first understand the timeline and don't try to change the timeline. You can't use someone else's timeline to judge your own. Someone else, they may be getting that raise before you. They may be getting that life partner before they do. They may be stepping into ministry before you do. They may whatever. You fill in the blank. But each one is custom fitted by the creator. He knows you. Don't compare yourself to others. Don't try to use someone else's vision or lens as your own. Get your own vision. And I believe the customization of your timeline is precise. It's tailor-made to you. And it has to do with your gifts, callings, and purpose in life. I can recall that at a certain point in my development in ministry, that there were guys that they were getting opportunities to uh, kind of be asked to be in leadership in my campus ministry or asked to lead a Bible study before me. And again, it's never a comparison thing. Some of those 
those guys today are great followers of Christ, but they're not in ministry full-time uh, in terms of vocationally. We're all called to full-time ministry, and yet God did something different. So I cannot compare my timeline with someone else. And then finally, I would say to you, once you get the prophetic word and you're sure it's from God, that's key right there, sure it's from God, you need to commit to it. When people do rock climbing and they're scaling the side, the side of Half Dome, there's a move called a commit move where you have to cross one arm over another and jump to a higher ledge. But hey, if you miss it, uh, it could be somewhat fatal, although these guys got ropes and stuff around them tying them up, but it's called a commit move. When you get the prophetic word, you got to do the commit move. And when you don't walk with a sense of commitment and purpose, you're going to get confused. So you got to make commitment to the vision. Thanks so much for tuning into the Keep It 100 podcast. Make sure to rate, review, and refer us to your friends. And be sure to click that subscribe button so that you're alerted as soon as new episodes drop. Help us get the word out. Share this link on your social media platforms and check us out at seanandkristasmith.com. You can also find us on Facebook at Sean and Krista Smith Ministries. We would love to hear from you on how this podcast has impacted you. So be sure to show us some love. Hey, Keep It 100, you're going to want to subscribe and not miss the next episode of What's Next Part 2, where we're going to continue this deep dive on Revelation and hear all the way from Scotland across the pond. I wish I had a Scottish accent. From <laughs> prophetic minister Emma Stark. Seriously, I'm so excited for you to hear her. She's going to share her sense of what heaven is saying. And remember, relief may change your circumstance, but a revelation will change you. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Keep It 100 podcast with Sean and Krista Smith. Keep up with us on Facebook and Instagram at seanandkristasmith.com where you can discover more resources. If this podcast has impacted you, please subscribe and review wherever you listen to your podcast. Keep it 100!